I've never been introduced like that before. Hallelujah. Are you hungry this morning? I said, are you hungry this morning? Because God always shows up when people are hungry. Always shows up. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I love what Luke chapter 6, verse 21 says. Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger now. When is the time for us to be hungry? Right now. Right now. Kids, when mom tells you, get in your room now and pick up that mess, what does now mean? That means at this moment, at this present time. Right, Jack? <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Yes. Brother David and Patty, I couldn't help but think. Um, hearing your testimony took me back to I spent much time with T.L. and Daisy Osborne. Are you familiar with their ministry from years ago? Um, read their books. Uh, if you know anything about T.L. and Daisy Osborne, they started the same way. The testimony of how when they went out in the mission field, God said, he came back to America and said, God, I'm done. I'm done. Is this, is this, what, is this what it's all about? But uh, get their books. It's just, it's just the beginning of what God is going to do through your lives and through your children. Matter of fact, there's healing. Healing power that's going to flow through those hands. Would you lift up your hands toward heaven right now? Would you lift up, would you extend your hands toward David and Patty? My brother and my sister and your precious girls, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the healing power of God that's going to flow through this precious, precious family. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, and pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. Pray in the Holy David and Patty. Pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. Because as you pray in the Holy Spirit, he will show you and he will let you know the next steps that you're going to take. And oh, they're going to be glorious. And oh, they're going to be whoo, ha, ha, ah, beyond what you could ever ask or even think of. There's going to be a joy and a hope on the inside of you that's going to rise up in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Woo. Glory to God. Get ready. Pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. And as the Holy Spirit, re and when you don't know how to, how to pray, and when you don't know what to do, pray in the Holy Spirit. And say, Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, 13, and 14. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will, I, I will pray with my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit. And guess what? You know what it's time? It is time. It is time. I love what James chapter 1, verse 2 says. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. You know what? In the little Greek family, when the little Greek, count it all joy, means throw a party. So I don't know when you're headed south, but before they head south, throw a party. Get out the balloons. Get out the whistles. What do you do at a party? You have fun. You have a party. You eat. You, you party. You party. I mean, you have a great time, so do it. Woo! I'm, I'm excited to hear what God's going to do in your life. 
It's just the beginning. And what's gonna God's going to do in your girls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, I'm glad you're sitting next to me and you're going to learn something today. Woo. Hallelujah. You know, so many people are waiting for God to move. Hello, God's already moving. He's waiting for us to move. Amen. Mm. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And uh, my wife and I have been in ministry now for over 40 years. It's hard to believe it's been over 40 years. Um, But we love what we do. We're passionate about what we do. People say, well, I'm just one of those low-energy persons. You lie, you lie, you lie. There's no such thing as a low-energy person. You know what you lack? You lack passion. See, the typical person in church on Sunday morning, not a gateway church, not this church. But I've been to those churches. See, the typical person during praise and worship, you got to crank them up for 20 minutes, right? Am I talking? Am I, am I right? Yeah. You got. Is anybody excited about Jesus this morning? Would anyone just smile, clap your hands, and give God praise? Hello. See, a lot of people, you know, it's something when we're more passionate about watching the ball game on Sunday afternoon than we are worshiping God on Sunday morning. We shouldn't have to be cranked up on Sunday morning to get worshiping God. We should come in the doors on Sunday morning. Yeah! Yeah! Glory to God. Are you there at Acts chapter 2, verse 17? If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say glory. We'll wait for the glory. Oh, yeah, and it shall come to pass. In the, oh, by the way, before I get to the scripture, I've got some T-shirts. My wife and I live in North Carolina. So what I'm going to do, when I say the words North Carolina, the first person that stands up, I'll let you go to my table and get yourself something free for my table. Is that a pretty good deal? Thank you, all two of you. (laughs) I'm going to give out a a T-shirt or jewelry or something for my table. I've got the Jesus Reese's Peanut Butter Sweet Savior T-shirt. We got those out there. And um, we got them all the way up to 2X adult size. And then this one was designed by a teenage girl, one of our summer interns. Every year, for two weeks out of the summer, we'll take teenagers into the inner cities. We've been to Dallas, New York City, Chicago, uh, Buffalo. This past summer went to Cleveland. Uh, One of the poorest cities in America is Cleveland. And, of course, Detroit. But we've been in inner cities, and we take our teenagers. And she was sitting down. She was doodling. Is that a word? She was doodling on a napkin at a restaurant, and she said, look, not ashamed. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, but if you look close, what do you see in red? No shame. There is therefore now no shame, no condemnation to them where in Christ Jesus. And then this this T-shirt here, the uh, live fearless, is actually my, my personal testimony. Live fearless. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, fear not, there's nothing to fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Two years ago in August, my wife, my wife and, uh, you know, we we travel all over the place, and we just got finished with our summer intern program with our teenagers, and she was flying back from North North Carolina. Ma'am, you got a free T-shirt right after this service. 
Yeah, right after this service, where's our sister Sue? She's doing my table. Where's sister Sue? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A free T-shirt. You were the first one to stand up when I said those two words. Anyway, my wife was flight. She was going back home, North Dakota. <laughs> oh man, you thought I said North America. <laughs> anyway, oh, got you jumping, huh, Ryan? Anyway, um, uh, and I was flying to Boston, and um, she said. Um, she, she calls, she said, when is it, when's the next day you're going to be home? And I told her when I got home, well, she's been trying to get me to get a physical for years. I said, I don't need a physical. I can do circles around men half my age. So I get home, I get home, and she says, oh, by the way, your, your, your appointment's tomorrow morning. I said, oh, man, I wasn't counting on having, I just plan on being home, you know. So I went to the physical, he did the physical, and, and the, the doctor calls me back, and he says, I need you to come back in my office and you have a CAT scan. I said, a CAT scan? What, what for? And he says, I just need you to come back in. So I, how many have ever had a CAT scan before? I mean, and then I went through, and you know, come back out, and, and the silly little thing, okay, smile, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. And I'm looking at this little cartoon thing, but I'm going through this I go back home two hours later. He calls me. He says, I need you and your wife to come to my office. I said, what for? He says, I just need for you and, and to bring your wife. So I walked into his office. My wife and I walked into the office. He closed the door behind. He gets out his computer. He said, you've been diagnosed with having kidney cancer. I said, you got the wrong person. He said, no, Mr. Tash, this is you. I said, but. I feel great. He said, but you've got cancer in your right kidney. I, I feel great. He said, you've got what you call the silent killer. You don't know you have it until it's too late. Now, keep in mind, my wife has been trying to get me. She sensed something on the inside of her, but I wasn't listening. It was two years ago this morning, August 30th. I was laying at this time right now, uh, two years ago today, this morning, I was surgery to remove uh, cancer from my right kidney. By the way, five CAT scans later, two years later, I am <laughs> cancer-free. I am absolutely cancer-free. Someone needs this T-shirt. 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 Listen, someone needs this T-shirt. You got it, my brother. Now, what is your name? Steve. Now, why did Steve get the T-shirt and you didn't? He came after it. See, most of us in the church today, I might have your size back there, okay? Okay, just switch, change that in, train that in, okay? Now, why, Bob, right? Now, why did Bob get it and you didn't? Steve, Steve, I'll call you, you change your name, Steve. Okay, why did he get it and you didn't? He came after it. See, most people in our churches today want one of those drive-through breakthroughs. Don't expect me to get involved. Don't expect me to give, Pastor. Don't expect me to be part of these things that you're coming. But I just want to get, I just want to come to church and be fed. Hello. I know this church isn't like that. But I've been to those churches. I just want to sit. I just want to do a little praising. 
Make sure the message is nice, and I'm leaving. Don't expect me to get involved. There's no such thing as a drive-through breakthrough. You know, the woman, thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much. If, 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 if you want a breakthrough, you've got to be willing to go through. You've got to be like the woman with the issue of blood. You know, when, when the Bible says that, oh, there's a step there. The Bible says, anyway, what did the Bible say? Oh, the Bible says that she had a, a disease, a blood disease, and she spent all that she had but grew worse. And remember when Jesus was coming into town, you know, remember what she did? Jesus, come over here. I'm over here, Jesus. Come to me, Jesus. Is that what she did? No. The Bible says she pressed through the crowd. She had this passionate pursuit. I'm not waiting for him to come touch me. I am going to press in and touch him. And she pressed through the crowd. And see, saints of God, that's exactly what we need to do. We have become spiritually complacent. Let me say it this way. We've been, we've been, we've been spiritually constipated. Where we got a lot going in and nothing coming out. A lot going in but nothing coming out. You know, no flow, hello, no movement. You'll get that one tomorrow. But anyway, we got a lot of people that are spiritually constipated. They call themselves Christians, but there's, they, they got a. You know, I've asked myself, Father, why are we seeing all these miracles when we go overseas? Why are we seeing blind eyes open? Why are we seeing tumors the size of grapefruits? When our children, I had one, one, one of our boys, Jason, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, 11 years old. He laid his hands in this lady's tumor the size of a grapefruit on the side of her neck. Two minutes later, after he got finished praying, that's all that was left was dangling skin. It was gone. But I said, God, why is it? that we're seeing all these miracles overseas, but why are we not seeing them right here in America, in our churches, in our homes? One of the main reasons is we become spiritually complacent. We come to church as if we're going to see a movie at a movie theater. Entertain me. Mm -hmm. Shall I move on? <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Brother Nate, would you come on up here and help me, sir? Yes. I don't know how many years we've known you. I know it's been a long time. But you can get yourself a chair. Uh, come, come up and get yourself a chair and have a seat. Yeah, have a seat. Have a seat right there, if you would, please. Before you sit down and get comfortable, look, look at this verse right here, Acts chapter 2. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out. Say those two words. Pour out. Thank you. You can have a seat. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out. For over 40 years, my wife and I have been ministering to young people and children. We've taken over 6,000 children and teenagers all over the world. We've been to 30-some different countries. We've been to Russia. We've been to Africa. We've been to all the countries in Central America, South America. We've been all over the world. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. God using children. 
like your sons and your daughters. Oh, God can use children? You better believe it. I believe it's better to prepare than repair. Let me say that again. I believe it's better to prepare than repair. So much of what we're doing in our churches today all across America is repairing because we didn't spend the time, the money, and the effort preparing because a lot of adults we have this thinking thinking oh babysitting oh that's the nursery <laughs> that's the children's church that's just babysitting hello oh no we give it a glorified babysitting and if you're working michelle if you're working right michelle and if you were oh you're just a glorified babysitter oh ah not in this church not in not here we take children at age seven, eight, we take them all over the world. They lay hands on the sick people. I'll never forget, we went to the Apache Indian Reservation. I'm getting to you. I'm getting to you. We went to the Apache Indian Reservation, and uh, we were ministering underneath the tent. And um, there had to be seven, 800 people underneath that tent. I got finished ministering, and I, I, I said, if you're here today, and if you want, you want prayer, you want healing, God's healing power to flow through you. What I need you, could you hold that? Yeah, yeah. I need you. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I need you to lift up your hands. We took 48 children and teenagers with us on that trip. And as I'm given instructions, I see one of my boys, nine-year-old boy. He's over here. He's over here. Here's a lady in a wheelchair. He's taking this lady's hand, and he's going like this yanking her out and I said oh my dear God please someone one of my leaders get over there he's going to hurt this this little lady I look up next here this lady is standing taking her first steps a nine-year-old boy we went to the Ute Indian Reservation the Ute Indian Reservation is three hours east of Salt Lake City Utah some of the greatest mission fields in the world are our Indian reservations right here in America. The average life expectancy on this reservation is not a third world country, folks. I'm talking about here in the United States called our Indian reservations. The average life expectancy is 40 years of age. They live on $100 a month. That's it. You talk about poverty. You talk about depression. We walked in. We took a team of 30 boys and girls with us. They said, we need you to go to the hospital and pray for an elderly lady. You know how old she was? She was 44. She was elderly. She was going to have her right leg amputated. We said, they said, she loves children, but she's in a state of depression because she's going to lose her leg. Would you go up to the hospital, take your children with you? I said, yes, we will. So we took 30 kids into the hospital. Well, I can't take 30 kids into a hospital room, so I left 15 in the waiting room, took 15 in. They all surrounded the, 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 this lady's bed. One of my nine-year-old girls by the name of Faith, she began to pray. She said, Father, dear Jesus, would you heal her leg? Nine years old. We left. That was our last day on that reservation. We came back with another team the next year. Guess who was fixing all of our meals for us? This lady. This lady totally, totally healed. She never did have that leg amputated. We're on another Indian reservation. I got finished ministering. Well, no, I was, I was well, during, during my ministry underneath that tent, I noticed a teenage girl po po poking her head every once in a while around the corner of the tent pole. 
She never came in underneath the tent. She would just poke her head around the tent pole. After I got finished ministering, one of my leaders comes up and she says, there's a teenage girl out in the parking lot. We feel like she's demon-possessed because every time we go near her, she wants to lunge at us. And this man's voice comes out and this foam comes out of her mouth. Well, I used to work for Dr. Lester Summer. How many are ever familiar with Dr. Listen, I, he taught me how to cast out devils. I took a beeline down the center of that tent. I'm ready to cast out some devils out of this teenage girl. When the Spirit of God says, don't you cast them out, let the girls do it. So I turned around, grabbed an 11, a 12, and a 13-year-old girl. I said, girls, there is a teenager out there in the parking lot that's filled with devils. Cast them out. Now, see, most of us would have gone, do devils, headaches, stomach aches, that's all I do. Let the pastor do the, you know, the devil stuff. Those three girls backed that teenager up along a pickup truck in that, on, on that parking lot, in that reservation, until she was totally, totally, totally delivered. Totally delivered. We went to South Africa, Durban, South Africa, ministered under a 10,000-seat tent. In the heat of summer, I said to one of my 11-year-old boys, I said, I want you to be ready to preach tomorrow morning. He said, yes, sir, I will. 11 years old, he preached for 45 minutes. The title of his message was How to Be an Effective Witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. After he got finished, he closed up his Bible. He said, I'm done preaching. Now I'm going to prophesy. If you want me to lay my hands on you and prophesy in your life, get on down here. Well, I tell you what. I, now, here's an 11-year-old preaching to thousands and thousands of adults in Durban, South Africa. They came running down to the front, dust flying all over the place. They couldn't get down there fast enough. Three and a half hours later, guess what he's doing, Pastor? Laying hands and prophesying into those people. 11 years old. By the way, this 11-year-old isn't 11 years old anymore. He is now 29 years old, doing massive crusades all over the world. There was, an, uh, there was an, a little 8-year-old boy. I'm getting to you. I'm getting to you. Yeah, there was a little 8-year-old boy by the name of Daniel. We had four Sunday morning services. He comes up to me. He says, Pastor John, God's called me to be an evangelist. Eight years old, just a little guy. I looked at Daniel and I said, Daniel, I want you to be ready to preach in children's church next Sunday night. Now, we had 1,500 children every Sunday. Four Sunday morning services. Daniel preached that next Sunday night to 350 children. How many does this hold? About 200. So picture double, almost double. 350 children in our children's church service that night. He preached for 30 minutes. He got finished preaching, Brother Nat. You know what he did? We had a big high platform. He goes over to the right side of the platform after he got finished. He said, if you're here tonight and you don't have Jesus in your heart, get down here. I'm waiting. That's exactly what he did, eight years old. I said, I'm waiting. And he waited till the altars got filled. He moved to the center of the platform. He said, if you're here tonight and your life is not right with God, get down here. I'm waiting. I said, I'm waiting. 
He waited for the altars to be filled up. He moved to the left side of the platform. Keep in mind, he's eight years old. He moved to the left side of the platform. He said, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. And speaking in that special prayer language, I'm going to get you filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. Get down here. I said, I'm waiting. If you don't speak in tongues, get. I said, I'm waiting. Eight years old. Well, Daniel King is 35 years old, married to precious children. You can go online, kingministries.com. He travels all over the all over the world doing massive healing crusades. 30, 35, 40,000 people a night in his crusades. Where did he get his start? He gave him a platform. See, but a lot of adults they have this thinking, th- oh, they're just too young. They're just too young. See, in the average church, we train, we train our kids. Sit down, be quiet, don't say a word. Hello. Praise God, this isn't the average church. But in the average church, we tell our kids, sit down, be quiet, don't move. Well, I believe in miracles. But I'll see the dead raised before I'll see a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old sit in a two-hour service and not move a muscle. Hello! I believe in miracles. But you won't see a child sit still for two hours in a service. Why? Because if you could see what's taking place on the inside of that little one, everything is moving and growing and developing. And in order for them to grow, they've got to move. Oh, yeah. 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 You can go online. 30 40,000, and he calls us almost every week, still keeps in contact with us. See, children have the same capacity to serve God, but usually they are not given the same opportunity because we think that children, oh, one of these days they'll get it. You know, it's interesting to me, when it comes to technology, we think our kids are brilliant. But when it comes to spiritual things, we think they're dumb. We had this, I got myself a new, a new cell phone. It's, it's got all the bells and whistles. It's like a computer, they said. I just wanted a cell phone. That's all I wanted was a cell phone. But no, no, technology, no, you got to get this because it's it got all your emails and text messages and da-da-da, oh, you can do all the apps. And I'm in my kitchen. I just got this new cell phone. Our grandchild was one of our grand. We got 10 grandkids. They, they were over to visit Mimi and Poppy's house. And I'm, I'm trying to mess with this cell phone, trying to. How many have ever done that? You know, adults. Yeah. How do you get this thing to work? My grandson, Poppy, give it to me. I gave it to my grandson, Caleb. He said, there it is, fixed. And that's when. When it comes to technology, we think our kids, oh, man, brilliant. They were born into this world technology. And we think this thing called spiritual thing is going to happen through osmosis. It doesn't happen. Uh, And it shall come to pass. You thought I forgot about you, didn't you? Yeah. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. And it shall come to pass in the last days. I believe we're living in the last of the last of the last day. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
Now, I have a bottle of water, and I am going to, what were those two words that you repeated? Pour it. I will pour out. I will pour out in the last days, say of God. You ready for this, brother? <laughs> yeah. I will pour out. Now, I have a bottle of water, and I am going to pour out upon Brother Nate's head. I have poured out, but I have restrained myself. You getting this picture? They're getting a picture back there. I have poured out. But once again, I have restrained myself. I have poured out, but once again, ladies and gentlemen, I have restrained myself. Throughout the dispensations of time, God has poured out and held back. God has poured out and held back. Throughout the dispensations of time, God has poured out and uh, held back. But in these last days, Brother Nate, do you have any idea what the Greek mean, pour out means? Yeah, you say that again. All of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the dispensations of time, God has poured out, but he has held back. He has poured out, but he has held back. But Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it no longer means that God is going to hold back. The words pour out mean without restraint. So it's going to keep coming and 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 coming. Come on, give it on. Yeah. Oh, boy, you wore, the, you wore the right color pants for this. <laughs> you wore the right color pants for this object lesson. See, I never do an object lesson. Yeah, I'm used to working with kids. Uh, uh, but in the last days, saith God, I will pour out without restraint. You might be here today and say, well, God's not pouring out a pot. Ah, I got good news. You got to get under the spout where the glory's coming out. Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. What did he do? He climbed. What did he do? He climbed. A yes, because a wee little man was he. He was desperate to see Jesus. Sometimes we need to change our position. We got to change our position. If you're not seeing and feeling the glory of God in these last days, then it's, it's not God's problem. Get under the spout where the glory is coming out. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. That is give him a great big hand. I'm sure glad he got a smile on his face because he's much bigger than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You brought a change of clothes, didn't you? <laughs> In the last days, saith God, I will pour out. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. How many have ever caught a fish this big? Come on, you live right next to the lake. One, two, this big. Three, you caught a salmon, didn't you? Then you woke up, right? No, 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 just kidding. How many have ever, how many have ever caught a fish this big? Aha, aha. How many have ever caught a little fishy this big? 
Look, come on, come on, come on. Keep those hands up. How many have ever caught a little fishy this big? Yes, yes, yes. What do you do with the little fishy that you catch this big? You, you, you throw it back in. You throw it back in. No, you eat the big ones, yeah. You know, you throw it back in, and what do you say? Little fishy, you're too little. Little fishy, you're too scrawny. Children are like little fish. You can catch them for Christ so very easily. Did you see, compared to the number of how many people caught a little fish compared to the big fish, children are like little fish. 86% of those that are become Christians today do so before the age of 15. Are you ready for this? 86% of those that are Christians today become a Christian before they reach the age of 15. 86%. 10% between the age of 15 and 30, and a scant 4%. By the way, it doesn't take a lightning brain to figure this thing out. Where is our greatest harvest field? It's with children. It's with children. It's with children. Over 7 billion people on planet Earth, over half of them are under the age of 15. The greatest harvest field are children. We've got to reach them while they're still good ground. Men, I could go for another hour or two, Pastor, but I know I've got to close this up. Pastor Bob, can you help me? And um, Brother Nate, in all your wetness and your beautiful wife, would you stand up and your children? I want you to do something. I want you to do something. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 18, and I'm, I'm going to close with this, but Brother uh, Pastor Bob, can you do me a flavor? You know the song, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Uh, I, want you to, I want you to do something for me, sir. Uh, before you sing it, I want you to change the word. See, because this is the tour guide song. Come now is the time to worship. I'm going to show you. I'm going to use just this family here, the Bogert family. This is what I see. This is what my wife and I have seen for over 40 years in our churches all across America. On Sunday morning, we see our children and teenagers down in the front worshiping God. But where are the mommies and daddies and grandmas and grandpas? Come on. They're sitting in the seats. They're sitting in the pews. So, I tell you what I'm going to do. I want you, mom and dad, I want you to give uh, your, your blessings to your, your boys and say, yeah, boys, you can go down here in the front. I need another family with some children. Another Wait, 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 before you do it, I'm going to give some instruction. Another family with some children. Who's got, okay, right there. Okay, stand up. Okay. Now watch this. Watch this, church. Watch this. <coughs> Genesis chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. It says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations, surely, surely, that's my wife's name. Let me pause just a minute. I get to see her again tonight. Surely, surely in. Uh, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, here's the question. Here's the, here's the question. Why was Abraham chosen as a covenant partner with God? Many, most people will say because he was a great man of faith. The answer, wrong. Yes, he became a great man of faith, but when God gave him this promise, he wasn't a great man of faith. He was a heathen. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, the answer is found in verse 19. For I know him. 
The Bible says, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. That word command is not go go in your room and pick up your mess. No, the word command in the Hebrew language literally means, literally means to be a tour guide. But see, what we've had in our churches, in our homes, and I'm so glad, Pastor, you're doing that six-week course on the strengthening the family. See, but what we've had in our churches for years and years and years, we've had more travel agents. Let me, let me, let me explain it to you, illustrate. So we got mom and dad, mom and dad, and the kids. Mom and dad, your travel agent. Does the travel agent go anywhere? No, the travel agent stays in his office. They'll make all the reservations, hotels, and the uh, ticket itineraries, and even the restaurants. But what do they do? They stay put. They don't go in. So mom and dad, travel agent, um, <clears throat> Pastor Bobby, uh, instead of come, now is the time to go. Sing, change one word. Go. Now is the time to worship. Go. Okay. So mom and dad, your travel agents, okay? You send the kids down here on Sunday morning, they're worshiping God, okay? Are you ready? Go. Now is the time. This is the, ladies and gentlemen, the travel agent song. Come on, church. Sunday morning, let's lift up our hands and praise God. Yes, 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 yes. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Okay, stop, stop. Good, good, good. You got the illustration. Okay, now, mom. Mom, Dad, isn't this a beautiful picture? I see this, Pastor. I see this everywhere I go in churches. I see teenagers and children on Sunday morning just worshiping God. What parent in America would give anything to have what you got? What parent would give anything to have what you have? I mean, number one, to get the kids in church on Sunday morning. And then the next thing, to have them up front, oh, my dear Jesus, they give anything to have this. As beautiful of a sight as this is, church, something's missing. Something's drastically missing. Go back. Sit with mom and dad. Stand with mom and dad. Let's get rid of that travel agent song. Let's sing the tour guide song. Tour guide song, tour guides, come, come son, come daughter, go ahead, hit it. Calling all tour guides this morning, calling all tour guides this morning, calling all tour guides this morning. Calling all tour guides this morning. Calling all tour guides this morning. Just as you are to worship, come. Now, church. What we just experienced here in these few minutes, this is family worship. This is family worship. Where the mommies and the daddies and the grandmas and grandpas say, come on, son, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on. You want to go into the throne room? Come on, follow me. Do what daddy does, son. Do what mommy does. Come on. This is family worship. 
what we've experienced in this little illustration. Surely Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will be a tour guide for the rest of his family. And all the rest of the family will follow God because he became a tour guide, not a travel agent. Just because you bring your children to church, don't assume that they're going to get this thing. They've got to see it in us. It starts with adults. But see, a lot of times, us adults, we interpret our deadness and we say it's maturity. I want to say that one again. We interpret our deadness and say it's maturity. Well, you know, I just don't have the strength I used to. I can't, I can't continue ministering. To, I had a lady say that to, not too long ago. Don't you think you're getting kind of old to continuing working with? How long? When are you going to retire? I don't retire. I refire. And one of the reasons why is because you've, the words of our mouth, they become life or death. I say, as I get older, my wife gets older, we get stronger. Yes, he renews our strength. Yes, if you have to take a nap in the afternoon, go ahead and take a nap. But that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't, oh, well, you know, I just sit down, Pastor, during praise. and No, 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 no. no. You, we should be saying, Come on, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, come on. Because I want to tell you one more thing, and I'm closing. Seniors. How many seniors do we have in the house? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You see what we've done? Out there in the world, the, the, the society has put a label on seniors. Too old. And we brought that stinking spirit into our churches. Too old. No, we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your counsel. You've been down the road ahead of us. I'm done. I wish I had more time, Pastor. Oh, man, 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 man. This is family worship. I'm so excited to hear what your six weeks, you're going to be ministering on the family and strengthening the family. This is where it starts, right here. When we become tour guides, not just travel agents. And then we look at our children and say, wow, there's potential. There's potential. There's potential. There's greatness on the inside of them. And finding out what their gift is and saying, whoa, training it up in the, in the way, in the bent that they're called. Because every one of our kids are so different. Oh, oh, my God, they're different. But asking God, Father, where should I steer them? As arrows are in the hand of a great, mighty man, so are our children. <laughs> what do you do with this, right? What a challenge. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to seal this picture in our mind. Let it be burned into our hearts, God, that we are called to make a difference. Every young person, every old person, 
person, God, and everybody in between. We're called to be going to make a difference for you. God, I pray that you put your hand upon our hearts, upon our families, and Lord, that you would go before us and behind us and all around us. We thank you for this, God. Lord, we love our families, and God, I pray that you would help us to be the families of God that you have called us to be. Lord, for your glory, for your honor, we pray it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen.